We welcome to the Get Up and Go show this morning a gentleman who, of course, uh, has made his uh, mark in the history of rock and roll many different ways. We welcome to the show Dennis DeYoung. Good morning, Dennis. How you doing? Well, I'm doing great. As, uh, the town is in a frenzy getting oh. ready for you this coming Saturday night. Well, that's, that's, that's exciting. Is it going to rain? Is it no, outdoors? No, 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 no. No, it's going to be indoors. And I tell you what, we've been putting up with all this. Uh, we've not had the, a, a streak of nice weather for a while, but this weekend, just in your honor, we've decided to schedule some great stuff here. So it's going to be indoors. I'm coming. All right. Well, I want to tell you, it's uh, such a pleasure to have you. Uh, I know your show has just gotten rave reviews wherever you've been, and of course, you go back. Yeah, those are rumors I started. Did you start those? Yeah, I'm glad they reached you. <laughs> Dennis, i got to ask you a question. You're uh, going back to when, well, before actually Sticks got started. Um, I learned a whole lot about you here. I thought I knew everything about you, but you were an elementary teacher while you were, uh, you know, cutting your chops in rock and roll. Were you, were you ever like Jack Black teaching these kids at the school of rock when you were teaching? Or what was that like? Actually, I did stuff like that. I was, um, um, I actually taught junior high school, but I did teach um, a music appreciation course that covered, you know, music from the Renaissance through the 20th century. We talked about rock and roll a lot. I had right. long hair. <laughs> and uh, at one time, um, the the band at the time I'm trying to think was called TW4, but it was uh, the pre it was the band that was about to sign a record deal. As Sticks actually went to uh, one of uh, the I taught at four different schools. I was a district teacher. Okay. And we did we went Sticks went there and played a concert. So it was like Jack Black, only um, you know with without the uh, I guess without the humor. Right. Well, you know how rumors get started. You know I, I followed your career ever since the beginning. And I know the early, before you became Sticks, you were the trade winds. And for years as a disc jock in the air, I'd say, oh, yeah, Dennis DeYoung wrote that great surfing song and then found out that later on the lyrics, uh, my woody's all, side, all covered in snow, really wasn't your style. There was another trade winds group that I guess forced you to change your name to a TW4. Yes, and it's, it's funny you should mention that, but my, at, the, at the time my woody was filled with snow. But that's another story. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the trade winds uh, were, were a band out of New York, I think. Or New York was a lonely town, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, we were just kids. And uh, we, were play we were essentially a wedding band. You know, we were playing weddings. I played accordion at the time. So uh, it, it was really um, it was really ridiculous that anyone would ever confuse us with them. So and they only had one hit and they were gone, so it didn't really matter. But we changed our name anyway. I remember we had a palm tree hand painted by our drummer's sister on the bass drum to <laughs> trade on the top and winds underneath. That was right. pretty crazy. Well, you know, in 1970, you guys became Sticks and. Uh, at that point, the, the legacy began, but um, it took a little while. And just tell us a little bit of song, The Lady. A lady was uh, out for a while, actually about two years before it burst onto the scene. Yeah, it was released, uh, it was out for two and a half years, and of course when it was first released, it was a complete failure. Right. And um, so, um, it, coincidentally, the um, we'd recorded four albums, believe it or not, for Wood and Nickel without much success, which is something that could never happen in this day and age. But we were releasing our fourth album, and on the day we were, one of the days we were promoting the album, we went up to WLS radio station, which was in Chicago, was the most powerful radio station in the Midwest, oh, Top yeah. 40. Of course, they'd never played anything by us, but we went in that day to promote the album, and the program director told us that he was going to, not play anything from the new album, but that night he was going to play Lady at 8 o'clock once a night until it was a hit, 
And of course it was, and that's why I'm talking to you on the phone, because if he hadn't have done that, that would have been the end of us. How art also imitates across the land. I was in Daytona Beach at the time working nights, and I also pulled off that same stunt, not realizing that uh, WLS had done that as well, too. We had a uh, thing called the, uh, the Battle of the Hits, and uh, you were up against somebody. I can't remember who, but I think in, a, in an hour. fighting. You, oh, yeah. Well, you, you kept winning, so I, it was like every other song was Lady again, yeah. and you ended up being the champion of the night. And you know what? When the listeners get involved like that, I mean, the passion for a great song, you can't stop them. Well, I think, um, you know, so much of um, what happens in life uh, has to do with, um, you know, I say every once in a while the universe has got to spin in your direction. Right. And it did spin in, in our direction at that moment in time. And, and the idea of... Um, uh, of the song Lady, it you know, it there's something about it that really, you know, struck a nerve with people. I wrote that from my wife. We'd been married about two years. Right. And um, I just think, you know, my expression from my feelings from my wife translated somehow onto mm-hmm. that uh, onto that vinyl, and people, uh, you know, they responded to it. As a creative force of the band, and just being a creative guy in yourself, uh, I know being in a band is always like being in fi- being 15 years old forever. Uh, but you guys, uh, how did how did they plug into to your direction? Did did they, did they buy into it pretty well from the beginning? The band, yes. When you oh, in the very beginning, uh, the um, I would say that um, you know the very first album was was an album that was produced by the the fellow who was the president of the record company. So he gave us four songs. Right. That had nothing to, you know, we had that we didn't write them, mm-hmm. and so the first album was not really indicative of how the the band was going to go. But uh, originally, the uh, kind of the focal point of the band was James Young in the very beginning, and then when Lady became a hit, um, and Sticks Two became a hit, which was our, of course our second album. That album had seven songs on them, and five of them I had written and sung. So um, the you know, at that moment when Lady became a hit and Sticks went gold, Sticks too, right. uh, I kind of assumed the mantle of creative leadership, which I held on to until, mm-hmm. uh, you know, until the band uh, broke up in 84. So, I um, mean, you know, originally it was, the, the band was not really, um, you know, it, it was really about um, the collective and, and, and really focused more on, on James Young than me. Right. Does that answer the question? Well, yeah, that kind of does. But I'll tell you, you emerged as, as a pioneer, and especially uh, I love the stories about uh, uh, sitting down at the keyboards, and it's just like it was instant love. And, of course, you're... Um, you, but as a pioneer, I, you know, people, little, yeah. little known fact, I used to wear a coonskin cap. But that's <laughs> another story as well. <laughs> but kind of the pioneer of theater rock. I mean, I, that's what I think, that's what I remember best about uh, the music of Sticks. Uh, uh, thank you. I, I think, you know... We were one. We weren't certainly the first. We were, you know, you know, Alice Cooper. I always considered was, uh, you know, uh, theatrical. In fact, when we played with Alice years ago, and I watched the show, I said, "Wow, you know, he can." He did some pretty amazing theatrical things, sure. you know, in his own, in his own style and his own idiom. And uh, so, but we were one of the. Uh, we were certainly one of the one of the bands who, um, along with bands like Alice Cooper and mm-hmm. uh, the Tubes and and such, who did. Uh, take some theatrical elements, in other words, elements that were used in theater productions and stick them in rock shows. But, uh, yeah, I, I, we were one of the f- first bands to do that. Well, Paradise, Paradise Theater, 91, Kilroy was here, 83, which I think 
Uh, as I go back and remember, uh, I, I remember the first time I got Kilroy was here. I played it over and over and over, and, and I still, not, to this day, am not tired of it. That thing was an incredible piece of work. Well, thank you. Uh, it, you know, um, it was a, um, it was, you know, it was an idea to try to um, combine film with theatricality yeah. and and uh, in, in present a rock show at the same time. And you know, it was. Um, you know, it had that song, Mr. Roboto, which is, it seemed to uh, um, get into the pop culture somehow. I don't even know how these things happen, but, you know, the idea of Domo Arigato has been uh, used in so many different, <laughs> yeah. I guess, in so many different ways, whether it's in film or TV or even the guy on the Oscars last year, Japanese guy who won a uh, an Oscar said it. So, I mean, it shocked me when I heard it, but... I, I don't know how these things happen, but I'm, you know, I'm thankful. I know the uh, the TV commercial that I did for Volkswagen about how many years ago that was? <laughs> could be almost eight or nine years, ten years. Yeah. That really, um, that played a, a, a very large role in the resurrection of Mr. Roboto as a song for people. They, you know, that maybe kind of forgotten it from the middle, uh, the early '80s. Mm -hmm. But um, when I play it in concert now, people are just absolutely. I mean, you know, it's like it's the funniest thing because I never thought it would happen. But uh, people are, I mean. Sh Second only to come say the way are people excited about Mr. Roboto. So, well, you know the the song it came along at a time when I think you hit something on the head here, Dennis. Dennis DeYoung of, uh, of course, uh, and the music of Sticks coming this coming Saturday night. Sometimes the window of consciousness is open at the same time you come out with a piece and it just meshes together. And I think in the early '80s, in 1983, uh, that happened. People were ready for uh, an album like that. Yeah, I, I, you know, this, I, I think you know there was a. There was a sea change in music in 83. Um, you know, the bands of the 70s began to, you know, they began to wear out a little bit on people, and they, people were looking for new bands, and then that was the year, of course, they had, I think, they had Stray Cats and The Police and uh, yeah. Men at Work and Flock of Seagulls or stuff. A lot, a lot of new bands came in, and so um, for us, that song, Roboto, I think kind of, it fit in at least that song. So in, in some ways, it... it it developed a whole new fan base for the band, and um, and, and that, was, that was pretty cool. You're just a handful of uh, artists to have uh, top ten songs under the reign of four U.S. presidents. And I, I remember, too, because you talk about music and how it evokes emotion. Uh, it was 1990, and when uh, Sticks reformed, and you came out with Show Me the Way, and boy, radio just gravitated to that thing big time, didn't they? Yeah, um, you know, the... Um the thing about Show Me the Way was the, a disc jockey in Washington, D.C., Chris Taylor. It, I think uh, Show Me When It was like number 30. Right. And uh, Chris Taylor, um, he, they were debating whether or not to send troops to the Gulf War, the very first one. And uh, the debate was in the House of Representatives. And this guy got an idea to put um, sound bites from the debate in with Show Me the Way. And it really it caught fire. Mm -hmm. And I did a bunch of interviews, CNN, a bunch of people, news organizations were interested in that in, in that whole thing. But show me the way the song was had nothing to do with war or or that that war. But it became associated with the Gulf War. So um, you know, and I and I know I've met people who were in it who say that song brought them a certain amount of comfort when actually I'd written that song to you know give a certain mm -hmm. amount of comfort to my my son Matthew who was nine at the time, and I, right. I'd kind of written it for him because he was going through some tough times in his life. So it's, sure. it's funny how music can be written for a purpose and uh, people can um, listen to it and find their own meaning. 
How difficult is it to go from an ensemble to a solo album? Because I know Desert Moon. Yeah, there's let, you know, the Chinese yeah. takeout bill is much less. <laughs> yeah, and the beer bill probably goes down a little bit, too. Yeah, because I don't drink, so it was almost... Activity moves on out. We'll see. Soon, I mean, your solo album just absolutely after um, the stint with Sticks the first time just took off and yeah, another top ten song. And uh, how did it feel to, to be able to do that uh, after, again, working with the guys for so many years? Well, you know, I think anytime you get validation for what you do, um, it, it's 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 what we're all looking for. So I was I was obviously I was excited and very happy that you know in the in the video that went with with Desert Moon right. that was still at the time when VH1 played videos as a <laughs> as a staple. Right. Yeah. And um, it was very popular on both uh, MTV and VH1, and um, it, it you know it was um, it was funny because I'd been in. Arguably the in, in the most popular American band for a number of years, but because there, you know, we had never we were just ahead of the video age in our heyday. When I did Desert Moon, uh, I I would I would get recognized all over the country. Yeah. Yet when I was in Sticks, no one ever knew who I was because you know we were rather cryptic right. on our album covers and rarely, mm-hmm. if ever, did any TV, and so people never really knew what we looked like and um so that that was a very strange sensation to be recognized all the time yeah again you invented video before video was video because of your stage uh, shows and the kind of things you put together and i know um you know you've had quite a, a career in theater you're well yourself the hunchback in notre dame uh, that that must have been quite an undertaking you wrote uh, an entire stage play on the hunch yeah and with the music and score and right. that summer it, w- it was up they put it up at the Bailiwick Theater in Chicago, and it won the Joseph Jefferson Award for Best Musical, which was great. But even right now, I'm writing, they're, they're doing a, uh, a musical based on 101 Dalmatians, and uh, it's um, it's going to be on tour in the fall and wow. all next year, and I wrote the music to that. So, you know, and, and but more importantly for your audience, I have a, on April, well, let's see, what is today? Tomorrow. Uh, on Rounder Records, uh, I have a rock record, so rock solo album that I've uh, that I've recorded called One Hundred Years from Now. Right. So it'll be available tomorrow in all the usual places. You oh, know, great! Like, wherever they sell CDs anymore, I'm not even sure, but I think <laughs> Best Buy in those places, and you can get it yeah. either through my website or Rounder Records or iTunes or Amazon. All those, you know, whatever those, you know, whatever those places are you know that where you buy cds these days now so dennis is at a con is not, yeah and you can go to my website dennisdyoung.com and, okay and find out all this stuff is it a concept album or is it just a bunch of stuff uh different concept songs is i got to look at my mortgage payment and yeah. decided i had to pay it <laughs> oh, it's, it's just a basic um it's kind of a throwback record to the um purposely right to pay a little homage to the um to my days and sticks it's that kind right. of a record if you like if you like those records like Equinox and yeah. Pieces of Eight and uh, Grand Illusion in that period, you'll like this record. Well, you didn't go so far back to put New York as a lonely town on there, I'm I sure. I thought about it, but I couldn't find anyone <laughs> to paint the palm tree on the album. <laughs> uh, other stage acts, of course, you uh, toured for a while with Jesus Christ Superstars, Pontius Pilate. Uh, how was that? Well, we d- I did like 270 performances, and apparently I was... I was so good that um, I was able to crucify Jesus, and then he rose again every night. <laughs> That's some power there, buddy. He, 
talk about power. Yeah. Jesus was the guy that was doing the resurrection. I was, you know. Yeah. No, I played Pontius Pilate and, and like I always say, crucified all over North America for about six months, and then it did it in, mm-hmm. in New York City at, uh, you know, for a period. So yeah. that was, um, it was interesting. Well, an incredible career. It's, it's far from over, but I think this is, uh, I know, the first time you've ever been to our town, and, and we've got people just, uh, like I say earlier, in a frenzy to see uh, Dennis DeYoung, the music of Sticks, and some of the other things you're into. Well, I'm, I'm excited to be coming there, and this is for charity, of course. Oh, yes. Well, we've you got some great things going on in our town, and, and everybody helps out, and uh, uh, we appreciate that. We really do. Uh, you know, this is a very giving town. How's the economy over there in Ohio? Well, the economy here is kind of like everywhere else. We could use a few more jobs. Uh, if you want to bring some with you, feel free. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I've already hired about a bunch of people to come with me, and so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing my, my, my part to keep the, the economy going by employing human beings. Well, I know you're going to boost the economy at the Ramada Inn for at least one night, so that's great. <laughs> hey, let me ask you before you leave uh, another quick question. Have you ever worked with the Classic Rock All-Stars before? Yes, we played a show together. Um, it was some festival a couple of years ago. It was outdoors, I remember, because right. it was really, really hot. Yeah. Well, these guys are just incredible. We've had them here uh, once before, but they just seem like the perfect match to, to warm up the crowd for you. And uh, I think it'll be a great show, and people have a good time. And if they don't... Um, haven't you, didn't, didn't, didn't you, um, you're making the offer to give them five bucks back on their money, right? No, we were going to give them a free, one of your albums for free. Oh, they might just say, who needs this? <laughs> oh, that'd be great. No, Dennis, it's going to be a wonderful night. The Vern Rife Center is an intimate uh, place. It's acoustic-friendly uh, as can be. It'll hold about 1,200 people, and that's it. And, oh, uh, it'll be great. It'll be just like having a concert in your living room. Be gr- oh, my God. People yeah. will be, they'll be saying things like that. Jeez, that guy didn't suck as much as I thought he would. <laughs> hey, Dennis, uh, you, you've been a treasure to the music industry, and I feel like I've grown up with you. Uh, as a matter of fact, Mom still wants to know where the, uh, where the check is. But, no, I mean, you and I kind of got into this business at the same time. and So uh, we're really old. Yeah, we're there. We're getting there. Okay. We're getting there. That's a nice way of saying it. But, uh, Dennis, uh, we'll see you Saturday night on the stage at the Fern Rife Center for the Arts. And thank you for taking time out of your busy day. Talk to us, all right? Buddy, bye-bye. All right, Dennis, bye-bye. Dennis DeYoung. Stop.